is Mackenzie. Hey, this is Owen. Don't forget to like our show and subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by the Loving Kindness Project Foundation. What is one thing that you could do to think, speak, or act kindly today? Go to lovingkindnessproject.org to learn more. Before we begin this podcast, if you or someone you know is in crisis or needs emotional support, there are tools that can help. So get yourself a pen and paper or open a note-taking app on your phone or computer. Feel free to pause this episode while you get yourself ready. The episode starts at 1 minute and 24 seconds. You can call Talk Suicide Canada at 1-833-456-4566. You can text 45645, which is coming in the fall of 2023. In Canada, you can also call 988, the kids' help phone at 1-800-668-6868. The Trans Lifeline in Canada is 1-877-330-6366. And in the United States, 1-877-565-8860. Or call 911. You are not alone, and you do not have to be alone. I would like to honor and recognize the traditional and unceded territories of the Katsi, Kwantlen, and Semiamu nations on whose territory I live, work, and play. Welcome to We Are the ADHD Family Podcast. This podcast is meant to chronicle our journey with ADHD, autism, and other discoveries along the way. I reach out to advocates, experts, individuals, and other families that want to raise their voices and empower those on their journey. My name is Mark Smeets, and I am passionate about removing barriers for others through creating connections and building on strengths and practical problem solving. I am married to Siobhan, a parent of two wonderful kids, and all of us have ADHD. I want you to feel like you have power and hope. And now, into the episode. What if the Hulk get cra- a car crash into the Hulk and then one over the Hulk and the Hulk get flattened by another car? A Hulk pancake. Welcome to a new episode of We Are the ADHD Family and the Advocateurs. My guest today is my friend Mark Graben, and we are going to talk about his journey with ADHD, but the theme of the episode is about avoiding a misdiagnosis. You hear about this more than you realize, but it doesn't seem like much is done about it. But a misdiagnosis is very real. In Mark's case, the jury is still out on whether he is ADHD, but his direction has turned to taking a look inward and how hard he's been on himself and being more kind and forgiving to what he's feeling. There are a few reasons why a misdiagnosis isn't talked about much. Number one, the stigma and the shame that ADHD is no big deal. You know, just take these meds and you'll be fine. But to anyone that knows, it's not the case. Number two, A lot of the symptoms overlap with other disabilities, and if you know what a Venn diagram is, that's what a lot of these disabilities are. Number three, there's a lack of proper training by doctors and psychologists. And number four, let's say you don't have ADHD. Now you're confused as to, what do I do now? What do I have? What am I? Anyways, as we go through this conversation, I hope you keep these points in mind. Mark's newest book, The Mistakes That Make Us is out now, and you can find it on Amazon and other providers that are listed on his website, www.markgraben.com. 
I also highly recommend checking out his many podcasts. They are excellent. I also name drop a mutual friend of ours, Katie Anderson, who is also another author, and her latest book that she wrote with Isao Yoshino called Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, which just won another award, is available at all major bookstores, and you can check out her website at kbjanderson.com. My guest today is my friend, Mark Graben. And Mark, could you please give the audience a little about you? Hi, Mark. Um, congratulations on on launching and doing this podcast. And you know, it's Thank really you. happy to be here. And you know, we've we've talked a lot, and now we just happen to be recording it and sharing it. Um, I, I kind of I'll give a little background on what I do now. You know, I'm uh, I've basically been a you know what some people call a solopreneur for going on uh, 13 years now. Um, as an author, speaker, consultant, podcaster, um, what have you. Um, I started a podcast um, originally in 2006, but the one that's maybe more more relevant to some of the themes today is uh, a podcast I started in late 2020 called My Favorite Mistake. And then I wrote and published a book that came out in uh, the end of June on a similar theme called The Mistakes That Make Us, uh, Cultivating a Culture of Learning and innovation. So, you know, with the podcast and the book and my work more broadly, you know, I try to be one who celebrates the learning from mistakes. You know, when do we try to prevent a mistake? But when they happen, you know, what 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 can and should leaders do to have an environment where people um, can really learn from their mistakes? So um, I do a lot of that work, you know, independently. And I also have an affiliation and a part-time role and a small ownership stake in a software company called Kinexus, which is a web-based platform that that companies use to manage continuous improvement work. And Kinexus turns out to be, as I wrote the book, rightfully so, one of the main characters in the book, if you will. It's not (laughs) fiction, but to use that term. Kinexus, um, as as a company of 40 people that's been around for roughly 10 years, um, I think has a really solid culture of learning from mistakes and a culture of continuous improvement. And it's a, it's a software company. It's not Toyota. That's cool. And I mean, we should clarify our relationship and how that got started because it was, it's, it's been really cool. The, when I got into process improvement back in 20, just after 2016, 2017, I think it was, Mark was one of the people that sort of came to mind when I started to Google all these terms on LinkedIn or, or, or Google or what have you, and again, to, to follow him. But Mark's niche is, is or was healthcare. And it was the mistakes and the way that you can prevent making mistakes within healthcare and everything that was going on with, with our son and us being in, as a family, the hospital for so much. Of course, I'm completely going to, you know, uh, do this. And I began to use uh some of mark's uh some of mark's ideas the um oh which book was it it's i can see the picture in my head and i can't say it the uh, hospitals no what i read i read lean Lean hospitals but it's the it's the one after that with the um oh the the chart that i was asking you about for owen sleep yeah uh measures of success that was thank you thank you that yeah. yeah, the 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 chart that you went through in that book, I tried to adapt it to 
figure out where Owen's sleep was. And mm-hmm. that was the first time that I started to ask him questions. And it was just like, okay. And we just continued the conversation from there. And uh, I've learned so much from him. And it's just, it's nice to have, um, it's nice to have yet another friend who's, uh, who's gone through a similar journey than us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mark's got an interesting journey because was it la- a year ago now? Year and a bit? Uh year year and a bit. 2022. Yeah. yeah. Um, which ironically is around the same time that my wife and I were making fun of myself and the possibility that I was ADHD as well. But uh Mark uh had sought out his own ADHD diagnosis. And now that's a whole other journey. So mm-hmm. the theme of this podcast is gonna be about um avoiding a misdiagnosis and mm-hmm. Women, for example, are four times more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety or depression before even considering ADHD. In my mind, that's a misdiagnosis, as is many other women. That's what my wife went through. Mm. And it's it's not a good thing. So I'd like, Mark, I mean, just maybe start with the story in the beginning, and we'll mm-hmm. go from there. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's been, it's funny that you mentioned that book measures of success, which has, you know, kind of a roller coaster <laughs> imagery on the front of that book. I mean, this, this has been a roller coaster, um, you know, the past 18 months trying to figure out some things, you know, for context, I'm turning 50 in October. Um, you know, I think growing up in the eighties, I, I don't know how many kids were being diagnosed with ADHD um, at the time. Um, I did well in school. I was working above my grade level and, you know, just trying to, you know, state facts and context. You know, I, growing up in uh, suburban Detroit, uh, Livonia, Michigan, Livonia Public Schools had an incredible program uh, for quote unquote gifted and talented children. And I kind of cringe, like, forgive the label, but that was the technical um, label, like a magnet school program where I could be around other kids who were also working above grade level and maybe weren't fitting in academically or socially at their neighborhood um, elementary school. Um, but, you know, I, I did well uh, in school. Um, you know, psychologists now, you know, nowadays would ask, well, as we try to figure out, is, is, is there ADHD? Like, well, did you struggle? Did you get in trouble in school? No. Did you struggle academically? No. I don't know if that's because I was in really stimulating, you know, appropriately stimulating environments. Um, if I had been in my neighborhood elementary school, you know, different circumstances, maybe things would have presented, you know, differently. But you know, I, I didn't have any of those 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 life challenges that I know people with ADHD often um, struggle with. But like in my adult working life, you know, I think maybe going back at least. 25 years, you know, I think of, you know, attentiveness challenges, right? So we start talking about symptoms of like, okay, attentiveness. And, you know, as I've tried to learn about ADHD, I agree with the language that it's not really attention deficit. It's just misdirected yeah. uh, attention. Yep. My, my attention is somewhere, you know, <laughs> uh, on something, maybe not what it should be. Right. And so, and there have been times where, like I've never lost a job because of it. I remember once on a consulting engagement, I did get pulled aside and chastising for 
a combination of not paying attention when one of the other consultants was teaching. But to me, that was partly a, a mechanism to prevent myself from jumping in too much, yeah. right? Because I want to be the instructor, not sitting there listening to a colleague uh, instruct. But then, you know, um, the impulse control of, well, I don't want to just sit here doing nothing. Yeah. So I'm going to be catching up on email. And we're in the prime. Remember in the one instance here, like my wife and I were in the process of moving and relocating. So I was having to help manage some of that. Maybe I didn't need to be doing it right then in that moment. But, you know, I got kind of, kind of chewed out. You know, you need to at least. What do you mean you know, you're not supposed to multitask? Come on. Well, it wasn't, well, it wasn't multitasking. <laughs> it was doing something different, right? And, um, you know, so there's there's always been this like attentiveness um, question. I remember once, you know, I was unhappy in a job and I, I went through the EAP program and, and was talking to a counselor. And I don't remember this part of the conversation real vividly, but she did give me a copy of one of these really famous ADHD books, uh, Driven... To oh, distraction. driven distraction. Yep. I don't yep. think it was the follow-up driven from distraction. Yep. Um, I know I don't remember ever reading that book, <laughs> which no, <laughs> start thinking like, well, okay, maybe and that was, know. and if I remember correctly, I think that was Ned Hallowell's book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Off-cited, off-mentioned, you know, especially like in this last 18 months as I've tried educating myself about this, his name, you know, comes up a lot. Oh, yeah. But then here, I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead to the trigger, um, we'll call it 18 months ago. Um, I was doing some work as a subcontractor, um, consulting firm, and like I, I think I was making a mistake of whatever attention issues I have, the, the executive function mm-hmm. issue, like we don't know the causes, but here's what's happening. That I could just try to effort my way through that. That's a mistake. That I needed to just try harder. I think that's a mistake. And then I was going, I think this is, I know this is a really common thing. Um, I would then shame myself and beat myself up Mm -hmm. for the attention issues, which doesn't help either. If anything makes it worse, I get in my own head instead of not instead of just not paying attention, now I'm obsessing about why am I not paying attention and why can't I pay attention? Yeah. Um, but then there was an article, um, and maybe we can put a link to this in the show notes. There was an article about really the um, impulse control dimension of all of this and and the um, direct, you know, misdirected attention. Okay, we could call that, people do call that, okay, that's an impulse control issue. Um, if I have an idea and I want or need to work on it, instead of jotting it down to work on later, my impulse said, well, I want to work on that now. Yeah, That's the most interesting thing to me in the moment. I'm going to jump and do that thing. So that it, it seems that sounds like a very ADHD type behavior. Um, yep. And the world's going to burn down if you don't do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but this article, here's the headline, ADHD and an unusual sense of fairness. Yeah. And it said here, people with ADHD have, and you know, as I'm, and I'm reading about ADHD, and we're still trying to figure out question of causes for these executive function issues. Like I was getting triggered and upset by certain things in this consulting group environment, and um, and I've done this earlier in my career of realizing um, I should not be writing this email the way I'm wording it and phrasing it. I should not, cl- I should not click send but I do anyway. 
And I see Mom, you laughing and smiling. You I, recognize that? <laughs> because I, I recognize that because I will write most of my emails in Microsoft Word before uh-huh. I write them in Outlook or whatever mail program I'm in. And because yeah. I I will do the same thing because I will edit and re-edit and make smaller and smaller and, and change the wording around so I'm not rambling yeah. too much. But also, if it's something that's contentious, right. I you know. I mean, back in my logistics career, I'd had to do that plenty where a service failure happened. And, you know, you're not going to sit there and call the person a blankety blank, blank, blank. You're going to be much more political about it. Right. But, you know, I was popping off, if you will. Yeah. And I wasn't getting fired, but it was damaging some workplace relationships. Um, I Now, you know, trying to... recognize and be more mindful of things like that. I can think of times in more recent months where I kind of recognize that kind of like highly activated state of being mm-hmm. and realizing that is not the that is not a good state of mind to do anything other than maybe write a first draft. <laughs> <laughs> and I like your tactic of write it in Microsoft Word. If you're writing an email, do not put in the email address of the person you think you're going to send it to until you leave are blank. Yep. leave your two blank leave until you are because there's too many ways you might make the mistake of accidentally clicking send. Um, but the, you know, so so there there was this impulse control around you know popping off, getting upset in ways that were not helpful. And this article, like, and I think about well, what are the situations? Like, I'm not getting angry all the time or popping off all the time. But there were certain things really kind of back to the issue of like, are people, myself or others, being treated fairly? And if if I sense they're not being treated fairly, that's highly upsetting. I have low tolerance for that, as this article uh, is is explaining. Um, And so, you know, there's the type of thing where I realized, okay, ADHD, and as I'm trying to educate myself, it's not just about attentiveness. No. There are these same questions around impulse control, around what I'm thinking about what I'm doing, how I'm reacting to things. I'm like, you know what? I Again, I was going to reach out through um, EAP program, which at least in the US is, you know, one pathway of like, okay, workplace supported um, help. And I'd reached out um, and ended up with a, a counselor. Now I kind of went in, you know, this is the process improvement question with a bit of a root cause in mind. But mm-hmm. I think I have ADHD. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, the counselor, you know, there were many discussions of talking through um, what's going on. And um, we did, you know, he had me fill out an assessment and his professional opinion and working with a lot of ADHD patients was you have a what he, I, he described like mild to medium. Uh, you know, case of ADHD for what those terms might be worth, but it was upsetting enough to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to explore. Yeah. Uh, treatment. Yeah. And, and his position was, um, you might want and need more counseling, but counseling don't, counseling alone doesn't work. Medication works and you might still need counseling. And yeah. so, um, you know, then, then I ended up talking to a physician who tried prescribing Adderall supply chain challenges being what they were. This is before there were headlines about it. You know, I ended up, they said Ritalin would be a fine substitute to try. And I'll kind of pause the story at that point. So it was about July of 2020, where I had a diagnosis. 
I was trying to educate myself and not relying on, I wasn't expecting medication to be a cure-all, yeah. but I started, I started taking medication. And what was interesting, I think, because with your timing, wait, you stopped taking it or started taking it? I started taking it in started July. Okay. Yeah. Um, There's a later part of the story we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it was around that. I think that was around the same time that I began to No, actually, you're ahead of me by a year now that I think about it. Yeah, you know, you're you're ahead of me. You're ahead of me by a year on that one. Um, because I didn't know I didn't know any of this until at some point in the past 12 months, you sent me, I think it was you sent me the message and you told me what had happened. And I was like, what? Like my mind was blown all of a sudden. And that just kind of opened up the floodgates because I wasn't, I know I wasn't expecting that. Um because, you know, we don't look ADHD. <laughs> um, but, but it was like, oh, wow, this is this is really interesting for someone else, for somebody else to go through. And I think the thing that got me the most was that sense of justice, that sense of right and wrong mm -hmm. is, is, I remember telling you, is, is very strong in me. Mm -hmm. And I, I never really considered that piece of... ADHD to be a part of it, actually more considered to be the, on the autism side of things. Mm. Uh, but to, to have somebody who sort of thought the same thing, who went through workplace challenges like I did, um, it was just like, oh, we have to completely dive into this. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was very, very interesting to me. Anyways. Yeah. We'd have to go back through text messages or emails or there's been phone calls of like, what, when, when, and where and how and why did I share that with you? Well, and that's actually, you know what? I wonder, I wonder what, what did do that? Um, because I don't remember if I had posted something on LinkedIn or whatever, but it just you sending that to me out of the blue and we'd have to probably look back at our messages, as you said, yeah. again, finding another kindred spirit. I was was just enough. Here is the 20-second kindness break. Mackenzie, when you go back to school, what is one kind act that you want to do? Help my teacher. Owen, when you go back to school, what is one kind act that you can do? Like listening when she's talking. Hi, this is Siobhan from the Love and Kindness Project Foundation. Check out loveandkindnessproject.org and find other ways to carry out kind acts or start a kindness project of your own. After, so what happened after, uh, so you've got, you've started meds and you're, you know, you're going on with things, you're educating yourself. Mm -hmm. What happened? Uh, I guess, where does that take you next? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um, so that, that next part of the journey and, you know, uh, as I'm educating myself about what ADHD is and like, even if I, I, I don't have ADHD. We'll come back to that question, you know, I think in a bit. Um, I, 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 I don't feel like it was a waste to go through that education yeah. about ADHD to help me be more empathetic and understanding and, and cooperative with people who do um, have um, ADHD. Um, you know, you, you, you joked about how we don't look like it. You know, we have yeah. it, you know, as we know, and listeners probably know, there's no blood test for ADHD. There's no brain scan that they can do. Um, you know, for ADHD, it seems to be one of these things back to problem solving, this kind of a fascinating thing where 
we can only try to confirm the root cause by trying certain countermeasures. Yep. That if the ADHD medication is helpful, therefore you have ADHD and these differences in the brain and things where, again, like back to empathy and understanding, um, you know, that, that, that people who have ADHD, that's their, their brain. And there's a difference there. Yeah. You know, and um, that, that's not something worth blaming someone, you know, being too hard on someone else for, right. To be understanding um, about all that. But um, so I'm trying to explore and say, okay, well, let's try these countermeasures. And, you know, you start off with a small dose and well, I don't know if that's really making uh, a difference. And then, you know, you, you're trying, we never tried a different medication, but we would try different doses and, you know, kind of get to a point where like, well, I feel like it works and then it fades. And so then there's a the strategy of like, well, you should do a half dose then at lunchtime and like all this question around, you know, trying to figure out dosing and like, I felt like it was helping, but did, did there, were, you, there, were, did, there were still struggles, did, but I wasn't having any of the, I think, you know, ill effects of, let's say somebody who is abusing ADHD yeah. medications. Like, oh. I don't think that, you know, that would be the other thing you look for of like, um, you know, this, this, this is not only not totally helping and I knew medication wouldn't be uh, a silver bullet magic bean cure all. Yeah. But like, I don't think it was causing any ill effect where you might say, okay, wait a minute, timeout, red flag. Yeah. Um, you're reacting the way somebody without ADHD would have if they bought Ritalin illicitly, you know? Did did you start off like I'm always I'm always curious about this because I'm a I'm a big advocate of of what I'm about to say. When it came to the to the strategy for medication, did you like was there a purposeful commitment on your part to say, well, I want to try a long acting, a short acting? Did the doctor prescribe a long acting off the bat? Did they build you up? What was the, was there a strategy or thinking behind it? And were you even aware if there was from the doctor's point of view, or did you have anything in your mind of what you thought, hey, I'll try this? Well, you know, again, I mean, they're, from their experience and, and what they thought, what the physician thought was most effective was um, Adderall, short acting Adderall. And I, and I knew there were different medications, including, you know, the extended release or long um, longer lasting. Um, I, I didn't push real hard on why this one and why not others. I, I was, you know, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll follow the recommendation. Um, let, let's try it and, and figure out between timing and dosage, what effect is it having? I, I guess maybe the phrase uh, I, I'd use, I'm not sure if it's the best choice of words, but it was just, hey, I'm putting my trust in this, in, in the doctor and we'll just go from there. You know, they're the ones with the with the experience of prescribing things. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I, I would trust that counselor. Then he made a referral um, to a physician. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't go through my regular primary care physician. Um, so he referred me to uh, a physician who worked a lot with ADHD patients. And and I know from talking to others and reading, listening to the podcast. Not every doctor has the same level of education or, you know, mindset of like, you know, you're rolling the dice if your family physician yeah. knows anything you know, about yeah. ADHD. So I was, you know, it was a, a medical doctor, not, uh, it was more of a, a, a family practice physician who did a lot of uh, treatment of ADHD, not a clinical psychologist, 
Um, but you know, from their their own assessments, um, yeah, I I thought, well, I, I I trust your judgment. I'm willing to try something, and let's see if it has a good effect. And again, it was in this middle range of it's not like it was useless, and there yeah. was some effect. But then, you know, trying to trying to figure out like how much. So I definitely felt like um, some of the behavioral impulse control part mm-hmm. was a lot better, and I still struggled with. Uh, attention like even some people i worked with who i'd shared and talked to this about they're like yeah your uh, your emails don't seem um as snippy oh okay i don't remember getting a snippy sounding email to you in a while it's and, and look there are times when i probably know i'm being snippy and then there might be unintentional snippiness but like is this adhd is this uh lack of social graces at times you know i don't you know but you know i felt like it was kind of helping but not really. I was still taking medication. We were, you know, upping doses. We never did try a different medication. And again, you know, there's there's supply chain challenges. Yeah. Um, I know at least in the US, but um up here too, up here too, up here okay. as well. I went yeah. and not surprising. Okay. Um, but then you know, March of this year, March 2023, I thought remembering back to that initial counselor, he's like, what works is medication, but what some people need is still additional counseling and therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to find um, a clinical psychologist who at least listed in their areas of interest and study, if not expertise, included um, ADHD. And so we had a, a you know a lot of you know a couple of sessions talking. Mm-hmm. And then she put me through uh, a multiple hour uh, assessment. So a much longer survey compared to what had been used with me in 2022. Um, you know, part of her methodology was to go through, um, you know, uh, basically, you know, IQ test um, and some some more um, like computer based uh, tests of attention. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had some more rigorous. They they said uh, assessments to put me through, and then. You know, thinking back then to in her professional judgment is my best attempt to summarize it. She's saying, I'm, you know, uh, and in, in, in talking with her, there are definitely some executive function issues. She does not think the cause of them is ADHD. Mm-hmm. And part of her reasoning, and, and I know that there seems to be controversy around some of this. She's like, look, it, you, you did not present. Um, we didn't see the symptoms of any of this as a child. It hasn't affected your yep. career or workplace. It really seems to be kind of related to one particular professional setting, but not, I mean, like the impulse control there. But there was one place that was more upsetting. So there were more instances to get upset. But the attentiveness thing was kind of broad brush. But, you know, as I read about ADHD, if if if, it, if it's a mild to medium case, you know, thankfully, I do not have all of the daily life challenges that people who really struggle with ADHD have. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, she's basically saying, uh, like, part of her summary was, I already established when I was a kid, I was in the gifted and talented program. So, I mean, she said, basically, um, your brain works really fast. Um, your, like, the objective measures of your attention are really actually very high but not as high as 
the, the speed your brain works. So that creates internal conflict. Ah, uh, okay. Right there. And then it comes down to this dimension and thing that you can explore through therapy of what are realistic expectations mm. for myself and others? And we like, what, how to not be hard on myself? Yeah. So, my other way of summarizing it is objectively speaking, or from these objective measures, my attention span is actually above average, very good. But the way I was feeling bad about this perceived gap. This comes back to like lean and process improvement language. This gap between my attention and what I thought it should be, it's quite possible that I just have poorly calibrated um, expectations of myself. And if I look around the room, like, oh, gosh, it seems like everyone else is paying attention. Well, they might just be better at acting like they're paying attention. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. The the masking is real. Yeah. 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 You know, so so her recommendation was stop taking medication, mm. which I, I didn't fight that. Like to anyone who says like, oh, these these stimulants are addictive. I'm like, there's there seems to be no evidence of that. I stopped taking the medication and didn't feel cravings for it or any sort of dependency. I stopped I stopped taking it. Yeah. Um, but now I still there's this question of like, am I having attention issues or Am I just being too hard on myself for what is totally normal human behavior? That we're not machines, we're not robots. We can't perfectly pay attention to everything. You know, our minds wander. Like that's that's being human. Yeah. So what is, I guess, what's your next step in terms of, well, like, is, is this something where, I know I went kata on you there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for nobody. For probably a few people listening to this, like, what's Kata? I'm referring to Toyota Kata, yeah. and it's a um, it's another uh, improvement methodology where you're setting yourself a goal and you're looking at the targets that are taken to get to that goal, and you're looking at the steps that it takes. And one of the coaching questions is, "What's your next step?" I'm, I'll, you know what? I'm just going to do the Katie Anderson on you. Um, Katie's a friend of ours. Um, right. You know, what's, what's your next? What's what's your intention now? Then, well, I mean, I think it comes back to a need to kind of reframe the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and 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 one other thing I was going to say in terms of part of um, the story and 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 this journey of well, I, I had two medical professionals last year give me a diagnosis, and now this year there's one saying I don't agree with that diagnosis. She didn't use the word mistake, but I'll use the word mistake. She's like, well, what they had you fill out last year is really a screening. Like mm-hmm. that shouldn't that should have been the starting point for deeper explanation, not the starting point, or, or that that shouldn't have been the end of uh, reaching a diagnosis. So there's a question of methodology and you know what have you. So yeah, how do I how do I reframe the problem? If if the cause is, I think I used to frame the problem as I'm doing a poor job with attention and impulse control. I think ADHD is the cause. Let's work on the different solutions that mm-hmm. seem to help. It's more of a reframing. And I still have to keep reminding myself of this and you know, ongoing conversations with um, the clinical psychologist of 
having more realistic expectations and not being too hard on myself. Yeah. How, is more of the framing of it. How is that felt? How has that felt inside for you? I mean, I know we I know you've been you've been talking about and we've talked about before just, you know, the 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 being hard on yourself. Has it been easier to be gentler at this point or do you feel like, you know, you're still kind of beating yourself up too much? Or or is that something yeah, that's going to be an ongoing struggle? It's, <laughs> it's an ongoing ongoing struggle. Um, you know, that requires things like um therapy and reflection, you know, to try to sort things out, being more mindful or aware of certain behaviors or, or patterns, um, or, you know, just trying to think of some different strategies that are probably helpful with some of the executive function things, whether it's caused by AD or ADHD or not in terms of planning, prioritizing, not procrastinating, kind of ongoing effort in some of those areas. Like the the the, the problem statement is not what what I thought it was in March of 2022. Wow. And I'm still sorting through that. In our next episode with Mark, we're going to dive way more into the process side of his journey and get his thoughts about being an expert in process improvement and going through the diagnosis phase. We're also going to find out about a fight that was nearly started because of a concert that he attended. Thank you for listening to our show. If you're hearing this message, you've reached the end of the episode. And for that, I want to say thank you. I hope you have enjoyed what you've heard and are walking away with newfound knowledge. We are the ADHD family. See you soon for a new episode. I have three things to ask of you. Number one, if you have any comments, questions, or guest ideas, please leave a comment on the Facebook page. Number two, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps people find us. And number three, if you want to be a guest on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, contact me through our Facebook page. This podcast is open to everyone. You don't need to be an expert, just passionate and want to see change. The opinions expressed by the host and guest are not associated with any employer or organization unless otherwise stated.